Good morning, everybody. Colin Morgan here, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Grind, where I speak to some of the world's most insightful and successful people five days a week. The goal of the show is simple, to show you how these people think, act, and the steps they took to get where they are, to hopefully inspire some of you listening to follow in their footsteps. This show is for people who want to learn, who want to grow and develop, and who are willing to lay it on the line and grind for what they want. Welcome, everyone, to The Daily Grind. A jump that everybody can make is, uh, you know, we, we see productivity as doing more, 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 faster, faster, faster. But uh, I think a big jump that we can make is in that definition. It's not about doing more faster. It's about doing the right things and doing those things deliberately and with intention. Hey, Grinders, I know you listen to me every single day, and I want to thank you so much for that. Now it's time I reciprocate it to you. I'm giving away a free 15-minute consultation to any Daily Grind listener out there. It's super simple. You just have to go to the link in the description of this podcast, click that, book a call with me, and it's that easy. See, having the opportunity to speak with some of the most successful people and entrepreneurs five days a week has really given me a unique outlook on life and business. Now it's time I want to share that wisdom with you personally. So go ahead in the description of this podcast, you're going to see a link there to book a free 15 minute call with me. Click on that, sign up. There's nothing to it. I just want to hear where you're at and how potentially I could either help you or put you in touch with one of the people in my database to help you. So go ahead, link in the description, click that and I'll talk with you soon. Joining us today on The Daily Grind is Chris Bailey. Chris is a productivity expert and international best-selling author of The Productivity Project, which has been published in 11 languages. His second book, Hyperfocus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction, was published in seven languages at launch. Chris writes about productivity at alifeofproductivity.com and speaks to organizations around the globe on how they can become more productive without hating the process. To date, he has written hundreds of articles on the subject of productivity and has garnered coverage in the media as diverse as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, New York Magazine, the Huffington Post, Harvard Business Review, TED, Fortune, Fast Company, and Lifehacker. Everyone, really be sure to sit back on this episode, dive deep, and enjoy today's episode with Chris Bailey. Well, Chris Bailey, welcome to The Daily Grind. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? A fellow Canadian. Two Canadians chatting today. <laughs> who would have thought? Hey, who would have thought? Who would have thought, bud? <laughs> well, thanks so much for for jumping on the show, Chris. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of in your own words, for some audience members being first introduced to you today, um, just kind of expanding on your intro and sharing a bit more of who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a big nerd about productivity of all things. I feel some people have normal interests, but but this has been at the backdrop of everything I've done since high school, I think. So the really? high school, I tried to get as much done in yeah, a small of, of amount of time as possible, still get the A grades while uh, creating more time for just being lazy out, outside of school. That, that continued through university up to the point where I graduated and I got a couple job offers. But I thought if there's ever a time when I could experiment with something that's meaningful to me, it was then. So I, I said no to the job offer 
offers I spent a year of my life experimenting with and researching and interviewing people about productivity. And that racket has continued on to this day that that project found an audience and uh, that audience continues to grow. And uh, it turned into my first book that was called The Productivity Project. And now uh, the second book just came out, which is called Hyperfocus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction. So, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to do what I do. No doubt. So what do you think attracted you so much to productivity um, yeah. so early in your life? I, I think like when you mention the word productivity, what comes to mind uh, for most people is something that's so cold and corporate <laughs> and all about efficiency and effectiveness, whatever the hell those terms actually mean. But for me, what's driven me, and it might sound weird coming from, uh, a quote-unquote productivity expert is I'm a very lazy person. I, I like to I like to veg out. I'm a big like <laughs> I'm big into relaxation. I love to read in my spare time. I love to knit. Knitting is one of my favorite hobbies. I think really? it's one of the most underrated hobbies in the world. Um, I love to <laughs> meditate, uh, drink green tea, go to coffee shops, eat nice meals. So like I want more time for this stuff. I don't want to just be working longer hours. I want to get everything I have to do done in a smaller amount of time so I have more time for what's actually meaningful to me, which is the life that I want to live. But luckily, the work has become more meaningful alongside that. So that it's I think everybody it's fascinating. It's a fascinating question because everybody comes at this idea of productivity from a totally different perspective. Some people want to make more money. Some people want to uh, be well recognized in mm -hmm. their field. But other people like me, they you know, they want money and they want the recognition. But Ultimately, I'm just a very lazy person. <laughs> and, you know, kind of speak, I think most people want to be productive, right? And you've done the research to determine, you know, the best ways in doing that. What are some, what are some things that, you know, the listeners, even myself can do today, which can help us become more productive? What are some things we don't know about productivity? Yeah, yeah, some practical, tactical yeah. things. Um, I, I think a, a jump that everybody can make is, uh, you know, we, we see productivity as doing more, 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 faster, faster, faster. But uh, I think a big jump that we can make is in that definition. It's not about doing more faster. It's about doing the right things and doing those things deliberately and with intention. And so a lot of that involves slowing down. Uh, a lot of that involves becoming less stimulated as we work. And so I talk about it in, in this book a little bit where on average, when we're working in front of a computer, we only focus on one thing for 40 seconds before we switch to doing something else. And Interesting. Uh, if we have, yeah, it's, it's really like we don't realize how uh, fragmented our attention is. If we have Slack open at the same time, it lowers to 35 seconds. And the same is true with any IM client. And so I think a big place to start is lowering that level of stimulation, especially if you're a business owner. Um, you're able to think more deeply and more clearly when your mind is less stimulated because you, you seek out novel stimulus less often and, and you're able to, to think about one thing and focus on one thing for a bit longer. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that's what I'm a, a big fan of, taming the distractions around us, becoming less stimulated, maybe starting the day off with, uh, I, I love reading a physical newspaper. I, I get the New York Times mm. um, 
here here in the small town that I live in. And, <laughs> and so I don't read the app on, on my iPad. Instead, I just pick up the newspaper. I get to think. I get to make notes. And every morning, I also set three daily intentions. So when that day is done, what three things will I want to have accomplished? And, um, and so it's a kind of clarifying ritual at the same time. So, you know, a couple tactical things, you know, A, make the jump to productivity isn't about what we produce. It's how much we accomplish at the end of the day. And the best way to get there is by working with deliberateness and with intention. But we also have to slow down a bit. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of the paradox of productivity where we don't become more productive by becoming more reactive and, and working faster. We, be, we become more productive by bringing that deliberateness to our work. And so that involves getting to a lower state of stimulation and setting intentions. Yeah, do you think a part of that is like the environment that we're in? Because like, say, say we're doing work on a computer, you have all these distractions around you, right? You can jump on Facebook, you yeah. can jump on LinkedIn, you can check out your phone. So would be a step would be maybe to get out of your environment and maybe do something in a place where there are less distractions? That's kind of the ironic thing, isn't it? You ask somebody where they're the most productive and few people say the office, people say the yeah. coffee shop. Or they say at home at the kitchen table before the kids have, have waken up. Um, and, and I think it's important to, to mix up our environment, but also to modify it because the, the cues that we're surrounded with, they're kind of reminders that a whole other digital world awaits us somewhere else. And, you know, I would say that there's a big overlap and see, I'm a big uh, fan of, you know, technology and things like that. There's a, there's a, there would be a big overlap between people who listen to podcasts and people who are really into technology. And I would, you know, kind of question that idea as well and ask, okay, when was the last time I didn't look at a screen? Uh, when was the last time I felt le- legitimately bored? Um, because, you know, I think a lot of it is that environment, the devices that we're surrounded with. And so modifying them right now, my phone is in another room, my tablet's in another room, my computer, the distractions blocker isn't on mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's it's hard to be distracted on Twitter with a big microphone in front of me. But it's, uh, I think this is something that we can all do is modify this environment so that it's more conducive to focus. And so the, the things in it don't occupy our full uh, attention. Uh, Looking around me right now, I've got plants in the office here. I've got a piano meditation cushion. My turtle Edward is basking on his rock. I have a big whiteboard paintings, uh, things like that. So, you know, things that don't consume my full attention. If I'm looking for something to, uh, procrastinate on writing something. Uh, and so I think that's, that's another key is what surrounds you, um, so often directs your focus toward it. Uh, and so modifying those things is, is essential too. And you had mentioned, you know, you, you set intentions, you set your three intentions throughout the day. Yeah. Um, are these sort of goal, is this like goal setting or is this, you know, uh, more of a long-term vision? Like I, I, this is, this is the intention I set for today. Here's where I want to be, or is it more for what you want to accomplish in, in the day? I think it's both, okay. you, you know, so these are things that I essentially want to be different in the world because I worked a day of my life. And, you know, so often we're just kind of reactive to what happens around, especially with regard to our attention. You know, in the moment that the world 
decides for us what we pay attention to, and we rarely kind of take that step to reclaim it. Uh, and so th these are things that when my mind wanders throughout the day, when I'm blocking off time for things throughout the day, uh, I'll turn to this list and say, okay, what did I want to accomplish today? So, so these are often milestones with projects. These are often um, the things that I'll want to have accomplished. It, and on some days, you know, our, our day is chock full of meetings. You know, uh, for, for me these days, it's interview after interview because of the of the book launch. Mm -hmm. uh, and so days like these, that informs the intentions that I set. So uh, productivity is so often a process of understanding the constraints that are embedded in the work that we do. And so that's one of the constraints. Someday we, some days we have eight hours of meetings and those inform the intentions that we set. So my intention is usually uh, try to genuinely connect with people in, in the interviews that I do, or try to have fun in the interviews that I do so that, you know, you can't necessarily change how you spend your time that day, but you can change your focus and, um, and change how you relate uh, to the things that are on your plate. Hmm. And what would you say is, say, been one of the biggest obstacles you faced as an entrepreneur? In in the years you've been doing this, what's that one thing that was a struggle for a while until you were able to to overcome it or that light bulb moment came in? Oh, my God, there's been so many. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm never one of these people who pretends to have their shit together and, mm -hmm. and like, is productive 100% of the time. Um, you know, I, I follow most of my advice most of the time, probably 80% of it, 80% of the time. And I think, you know, any productivity expert who uh, isn't admitting their shortcomings is BSing you th mm -hmm. through the roof. Uh, I would say, oh man, there's so many. I, I think the thing that trips me up the most is honestly travel. Um, I, I do a lot of talks, I do a, some consulting with, with people. And, you know, the, the thing about travel, is it's such an obstacle and uh, and a roadblock to us keeping our habits that that we intend to set. Uh, but you know the thing about obstacles is by anticipating them ahead of time, I've learned the hard way. <laughs> um, by anticipating them ahead of time, we can change the the way that we behave to overcome that obstacle. So uh, obstacles are infinitely easier to deal with ahead of time versus after they come up. After they come up, it's basically impossible. And so these days, if I'm traveling somewhere, uh, I make sure that my hotel is a gym. I, I make sure it, it has a bathtub so I can, you know, have a soak. <laughs> I, I make sure it's scheduled time to, to call my fiance so her and I can, can connect every day. Uh, make sure there's healthy takeout options nearby because I know that that's what I'm going to turn to. So I might as well get ahead of that impulse too. If it's busy, I'll schedule time to meditate and to, and to go to the gym. Uh, and so I would say travel is the biggest roadblock that I face. But but if you find that to be the case as well, uh, getting out ahead of that and noticing the, the travel that's on your radar so you can schedule around it is is the, the best way that I've found. Yeah. And kind of speaking, you know, about, you know, these habits and these behaviors, what do you find are, are one or two behaviors or habits that really hurt people that hold them back from being productive and being successful, so to speak? I think using your uh, email inbox as a to-do list hmm. is one of the, uh, the the worst habits that you could possibly have because it, it's one of these moments where we allow the world to control our actions instead of um, instead of us ultimately choosing and controlling what we spend our time and attention on. And th this is not to say that we have 100% of control over our schedule 100% of the time. Uh, so often we don't. Like if we're at a conference, that's a great example of the day being scheduled for us. 
but we always have some control. And, and so I think it's so critical to take a step back. I, I think another roadblock, and this is something that I'll, I'll shout from the rooftops, is that people don't know what the most vital tasks are in the work that they do. Hmm. And so here's an activity. It'll take you five or 10 minutes, but it'll be the probably the most productive five or 10 minutes you'll ever spend. So get a sheet of paper and uh, over the, list out over the course of the month every single activity that you do in your work. Everything that's small, every recurring meeting, every, every responsibility that you have. And then ask yourself, if I could only do one thing, on this list, day in, day out, every single day, which one of these contributes the most value to the business that I have? Um, or if you work for somebody else, which one of these uh, contributes the most value to my team or, or allows me to accomplish the most? Then pick a second one. If you could only do two all day, if you could only do three all day, and usually after about three, people's marginal productivity falls off a cliff. And they get significantly less accomplished after that point. In fact, after about two, three, sometimes four tasks, uh, the rest of the things that are remaining usually support our work. They're, they're things that we can delegate to somebody else. They're, they're things that we can say no to or eliminate or find, find some way to shrink. And what happens when we're in that reactive mode is we lose sight of what's actually important. We become so focused on, on what's in front of us. And this is something that, that I love to write about. I write, write about it uh, in the second book, too, is you know, our, our attention gravitates to anything that's one of three things, anything that's pleasurable, anything that is threatening or anything that's novel. And so we even have a novelty bias embedded within our minds where each time we focus on something new and novel, our brain releases a, a hit of dopamine, the, the pleasure chemical that rewards us for, for uh, straying our attention to something else. Hmm. And so this is what the uphill battle is that we have to combat every day is the fact that the world hijacks our attention because it, it takes advantage of these three magnets. And so we need to get ahead of that. Um, so I, I think disconnecting more often while also knowing what's important throughout the day. Because uh, what's important will rarely be the most pleasurable and threatening and novel thing on your plate, but it probably allows you to accomplish the most. It probably allows you to expand your business the quickest. And it's probably the best thing that you could be doing in the moment. And so I think uh, that that's where the rubber meets the road is in the moment, these things will call for our attention. And that's why we need to to fight against them. Totally. And you know, one thing that's just so cringeworthy for me, Chris, is when people tell me all the time, like, you, you know how you ask people like, hey, John, like, how you doing? Like, how are things? And they're like, oh, you know, super busy, but things are great, right? Like, everybody says they're busy. Does that annoy you as well? Yeah, because yeah. I'm never busy yeah. because I know what's important and I spend my time on that. I, I, don't, I don't flood my schedule with, with pointless things. Whenever somebody says they're busy, they're probably working on things that are meaningless and pointless. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I've come to know. You know, and some sometimes they're not busy. You know, we we tend to Big time. Um, say, "Oh, I'm so busy," as a kind of a as a way through which we can say, "Oh, the world needs me so much." Mm. You know, I'm working 90 hours a week. We we overestimate so how, how many hours a, a week we work by about 20 hours. Laura Vanderkam, a, a good friend of mine, colleague in the productivity space, has found. Um, <laughs> we overstate these hours too. And so we, we say the world needs us a lot, but it usually doesn't usually, <laughs> you know, usually things have a way of, 
of holding themselves together without us, um, or at least to a, to a greater level than we think. So, yeah, it really, it bugs me too. It's, uh, yeah. It's funny because like the even... Most productive people aren't too busy. It's so true. And and for a while I found myself being one of those people that would be like, oh, how are things? They're like, I'm so busy. And in my head I'm like, I'm not fucking busy. Like I'm barely doing anything. <laughs> but you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah. like people, I think well, that's just like a, a way in which people think i think that's what people think they have to say <laughs> yeah because it's like you're being late like there's something wrong yeah. with laziness laziness is one of the the best driving factors that we could have for our productivity i really i fundamentally believe that like um so so you know i've, I've i follow my own advice most of the time so i know that the most vital tasks in my work they're writing they're doing research and they're preparing for talks that I'm going to give. That's it. Everything else is secondary. And so it has to be fun for me to do it <laughs> or else I say no to it or yeah. I delegate it to, to the small team that I have. And this is simply the way that it has to be. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating phenomenon. And by the way, uh, people think laziness is unproductive, but, but I would make the argument that, that the opposite is the case. Um, we rarely schedule time to be idle in our schedule. Mm. I, I don't mean laziness in the sense of like ordering copious amounts of pizza and Indian food and like watching Netflix uh, five comedy specials yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, if you do with intention, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of intention. And uh, so if you do that and it's a meaningful experience, who is some productivity expert to tell you not to? Uh, but I mean laziness in the proper uh, idleness sense. And so we rarely have idle time where we just kind of let our mind be. We let our attention rest. But this is the time that we plan for the future. If you think of when your best ideas totally. strike you, um, they rarely strike you when you're focused. They strike you when you're taking a shower. Um, they come when you're on a nature walk. They, they come when you're gardening or, you know, knitting is my favorite pastime for this reason. I, I love knit. I'm, I'm like essentially like a 90 year old woman at heart. I love knitting. I love taking baths and I hate technology and <laughs> how distracted it's making us in the world. Why can't you young people connect anymore? But <laughs> I, I think, you know, th this mind wandering mode is the most underrated mode of our mind. And this is something I, I came into hyperfocus thinking, okay, I'm gonna write a book on how we can focus intensely every day. But I found like there's this flip side of focus, which is unfocusing to do something habitual at the same time. We think about our goals. Uh, here's a stat that will, uh, it, it kind of blew me away when, when I first encountered it. We think about our goals 14 times as much when our mind is at rest versus when we're focused on something. Wow. And so when we're focused on email or writing a report, we don't set an intention for what we're going to do next. We don't strategically plan what we're going to do. Um, and, and this is because of this, this uh, it's called a prospective bias with regard to our attention. You'll find that when you're taking a shower, your mind goes to the future about half of the time. You're planning the day. Hmm. You're already reliving uh, the day as, as if you were at its end. Um, and the research backs this up. It shows that we think about the future about 48% of the time when our mind is wandering. Uh, we think about the present 28% of the time. This is when we uh, think about it more strategically. And we think about the past about 12% of the time. We, we think our mind goes to the past, but really it's to the present and the future that it goes significantly more often. And so if you want to be more strategic and less reactive, if, if you want to 
think about your, your goals throughout the day. It's never when you're hunkered down in front of your computer that a, a great uh, plan for a meeting comes to you. It's yeah. when you're walking to the meeting room um, and you've stepped back from your computer, you've rested your attention, and then your mind just goes there automatically. And so I think we need more of this. And, and this is mm -hmm. the opposite of busyness, but it's exactly what allows us to be busy about the right things in the first place and, and work on what's actually important. If we never step back from our work, we're never going to be more productive than we are. I love that. And for you, like you've done a lot. I'm wondering if you could go back in time and offer your young version of yourself, a piece of advice or piece of guidance. I'm wondering what that would be for you. Hmm. In terms of productivity or happiness or anything. anything. Hmm. I, I would say, you know, I'm a big fan of meditation. And so my meditation cushion is, I, I'm touching it right now with my foot and my other, <laughs> my other mouth, I was going to say my other mouth, my mouth is in front of the microphone. So th that's how close it is. Yeah. And if there's one thing that the meditation practice that I have has, has taught me, it's that happiness is nothing more than coming to terms with how things change around us. And I, I think, you know, if, if I would have taken that to heart uh, a lot, you know, a, a long while ago, uh, I, you know, I would have had the same journey because it, it's, you know, that changes how you relate to what you experience. It doesn't necessarily change your motivations in what you want to experience. Um, but I, I think I would have been a lot happier along the way because this is the ironic thing that I've discovered the hard way about productivity is the very idea that you want to become more productive implies on some level that you're not entirely satisfied with where you're at already. Hmm. And so I think that there's kind of a balance there in um, in coming to terms with how things change, um, which, by the way, allows you to chase the the, discom the discomfort in your life a lot easier. Um, th this is another habit that I've picked up the, the hard way, and I've realized, like, the most valuable conversations we have, the, the most valuable tasks we can do, um, the the most valuable anything in our life um, are, are the things that make us the least comfortable when we're doing them and when we're thinking about them. And so by chasing that discomfort, we chase value uh, as a byproduct of that, and we get rid of a lot of the aversion uh, that we have to to doing that. We kind of train our mind into into uh, being rewarded for chasing that that uh, discomfort. So I'm a big proponent of that, and I think you know so much of of productivity is simply um, adapting to how things change. Because if we can do yeah. that and, and we're kind to ourselves as we work, it's going to make us more productive as a byproduct. So uh, my my colleague in the in the productivity space, another colleague, uh, Sean Acor, <laughs> he, he's found that happier people are 31% more productive than people who are in a negative or a neutral state. Yeah. And so if you haven't had him on the show, uh, you should definitely have him because he has such a, a a great message to to spread. But uh, I would say that that it's that is we need to be kind to ourselves. We need to come to terms with how things change, and we need to chase discomfort. And what motivates you? Like when you wake up in the morning, what motivates you to keep grinding? Like what what what's that inner thing inside of you that drives you forward? I love the feeling of ideas connecting and noticing connections that 
other people hadn't noticed before. And, and so, you know, I, I feel like I keep mentioning the book. And so I hope it doesn't come off as slimy or self No, of course I'm, not. I'm just kind of like in this interview mode right now. So, um, so, so like there's a lot of uh, attentional residue um, that a researcher would say, you know, from all the other interviews. But, um, you know, in writing the book, I assembled hundreds of, of academic studies and pieced them together. And so I feel a lot of people and a lot of authors say they've read a lot of studies, but yeah. I actually, you know, when, when you read a study, you realize how averse of reading a study is. And, and so you really need a, a, a bigger motivation. And, and it was exactly this feeling. It was like, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those crime shows where um, there's somebody who's like, um, they've they've got a murder map. They've got a map attached to string, attached to pictures, yeah. attached to to memos <laughs> and newspaper clippings with like headlines that are cut up into individual letters. That was like the state of my office. But uh, w instead of solving a murder, it was figuring out why the hell I was so distracted every day. I was figuring out why I couldn't follow my own advice on how we should focus as somebody who makes his living as a productivity expert. And the thing that drove me. Uh, further and harder than anything else in that process, because there there was a point where I stopped caring uh, if the book would be successful, because it was just so uh, fun to, to piece together ideas that other people hadn't before. You know, realizing that there's a flip side of focus, that yeah. the, the power of unfocusing, realizing that being distracted isn't our fault, be, realizing uh, all these different things as it relates to our attention. Uh, I think this is what drives me for more than more than anything extrinsic the the extrinsic stuff is kind of a byproduct of of that that deeper motivation i'm, I'm just like so curious uh, about this stuff that i can't help but but continue looking at it yeah it's it's the passion sounds like is what drives you forward well i hope so because yeah. i would have lost my motivation a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> for you chris like you know, I think it's important to not only share the good, but maybe some things that you are, say, struggling with now. So I'm wondering, say there was a magic genie that could come into your business or, or help you with one or two things. I'm wondering what they would help you with. Hmm. I, I think the big one right now, because, you know, let me, looking looking at my calendar, calendar this week yeah um I, I had 15 interviews yesterday uh, i've got wow. you know, a bunch today like uh, radio tours press tours uh, shit like that uh, and so uh, i'm a very like shy person um by by my nature um i'm introverted i'd rather be curled up with a book than like touring all over the the, the map yeah and, and so if there was a magic this magic is it you colin that's the magical genie or is, is you like, know what it could be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so my one wish from you, Colin, is to have unlimited energy going from interview to interview and not have to, not have to be so tired after. And, you know, I, I don't have to like, it's not like I'm totally burnt out. I feel like I definitely would be if, um, you know, if, uh, if this were something, it was like, I was just writing a book for like yeah. boosting my consulting revenue or some shit like that. Yeah. But like, this is something I'm actually curious about, actually interested in. 
Um, and so that that would be my one wish. But I feel like it's such a posh wish. It's like I don't like it's it's um it's a byproduct of being lucky and and uh, having pieced together these ideas, which is a privilege. So I, I don't feel like we I should be wishing away the privilege that I've <laughs> had either. But that would be my one thing. I think. <laughs> Love it. And now, Chris, the way we end the show here is I give you the floor, and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day. So one thing or one thought that we can all go home with today. Oh, man. I would say the one thought that we should all take away is that the state of our attention uh, determines the state of our lives. If we're distracted in each moment, a, a moment never exists in isolation. It, it exists within the broader context of our life. And so if we're distracted in each moment, these moments accumulate day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to create a life that is distracted and in which we feel overwhelmed and, and pulled in a thousand different directions. But really, we're allowing ourselves to be pulled in a thousand different directions in each moment, mm. um, wh which creates this feeling. Um, and, and I would say that the exact opposite is the case when uh, we focus on what's productive in each moment, not not productive in the cold corporate sense, but productive in uh, focusing on the, the things that allow us to accomplish the most. And we also focus on what's meaningful in our lives, a, a conversation with a, a loved one, um, you know, a, a coffee date with yeah. an old friend, uh, a newspaper that we're reading in the morning, uh, a new pattern that we're knitting, a, a podcast that we're listening to, a, a, a thing that we're uh, painting, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. And the more uh, productive and meaningful things we choose to focus on. And the more simple we simplify our attention, so we're not feeling overwhelmed, um, the, the more satisfied we'll be with our lives overall. And so, yeah, that's, that would be the one thing that, that I would uh, re recommend to people is, is if you feel overwhelmed, look to your attention and look at how overwhelmed your attention is in the moment, because I think you will find some curious connections. I'm sure you will. And now, Chris, what is the best way our audience can reach out, connect with you, and get uh, the new copy of your book, Hyper Focus? Oh. Well, as I said, I'm very shy, so please don't reach it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the book is called Hyper Focus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction. It's about out in bookstores, everywhere. I'm holding a copy right here. It's bright. It's shiny. It's essentially about mindfulness, but don't tell anybody. Um, it's about how we can deliberately manage our attention every day. It's in bookstores everywhere. It's I, it's on Audible. If you uh, if you like the sound of my voice, I read it. If you don't like the sound of my voice, there's a physical and an e-copy. I think it's coming out in 10 languages in the next month or so. So awesome. wh whatever your language, whatever your medium of choice, you can find it there. Fantastic. Well, I will share all those links, best ways for everyone listening for you to get your copy of Hyper Focus. Be sure that you do. Chris is a true expert in what he's doing, has put a lot of time, research, energy, and effort into this, and you're going to love it. So I'll share all those links and also share some social links and best ways to connect with Chris. And as you can see from this interview, everyone, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today, obviously, productivity. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to speak with the productivity expert himself, Chris Bailey. Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, man, and coming on the show here with us today. Thank you, man. It's time to go knit. 
<laughs> time to relax. <laughs> there you go. Well, the pleasure was all mine. And everyone, if you liked today's episode, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Share it with your friends. Until next time, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.